Welcome to New Human Living Radio Show, bringing you powerful interviews to awaken the power in you. Learn more at newhumanliving.com. And now your host, Les Jensen. I have a saying I really like. And that saying is, my unknowing mind knows much more than my knowing mind. My unknowing mind knows much more than my knowing mind. And what I mean by that is uh, the bigger part of me, my soul, my higher self, whatever, has a much broader, much more diverse perspective of the truth than my ego mind. And so I hold everything that my ego mind thinks is true with a feather that it might be easily replaced when a bigger truth reveals itself. And why do I bring that up? Because tonight's show, I think, is going to be delightful. The title of the show tonight, Smile of the Universe, Miracles in an Age of Disbelief. And our guest tonight is Michael Grosso. We're going to bring him on in just a minute. But I want to put a few things in context so you can crack that mind of yours open and and we, we can create a, a field and opportunity for a deeper understanding. You know, it's... Uh, with the uh, uh, coronavirus and whatnot, there's a lot of talk about the science behind things. There's a lot of talk behind um, the the scientific perspective of what the, quote, correct thing to do, unquote. But let's, let's take, for example, genetics, right? We have genetic scientists. We have genetic scientists. Well, now if I were to walk up to an author and I would say, can you write a book? And the author would probably say yes. And when that happened, the author would open a word processor and there wouldn't be a single character anywhere. And then the typing would begin And after a span of time, there would be a book, a novel, whatever. If our genetic scientists were truly connected to the truth of genetics, they should be able to open up a genetics uh, gene sequencing program without any gene sequences in it yet, a blank, 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 editor and start typing genetic sequencing and be able to explain what it all does. But our genetic scientists don't do that. They cannot create a creation of their own from scratch. It's all copy and paste from the genetics of Mother Nature. So the reason I bring up this this perspective perhaps and please feel free to disagree with me if you so choose, is that the perception we have as a culture, as a collective consciousness, as an institution, as an academic um, framework that, that we, we all have an opportunity to learn from, there's a vast amount of information that we just don't know. We just don't know. And when we can recognize that, it gives us an opportunity to soften our eyes with what we think we know, to perhaps look with virgin eyes, to look with fresh eyes about our environment, about our experience, And perhaps we can see a deeper truth that has been right in front of our eyes. But if we if we look with a a a template of academic framework, 
and and I'm not. I want to be very clear. I am not discounting academics. We went to the flipping moon, and I promise you, had I been one of the astronauts, I'd want the top academic scientists doing all the flipping math, making sure I wasn't a lawn dart in in the moon, taking soil samples at a at a far excessive um, rate of acceleration. The so what I'm getting at here is. The conversation tonight, I love this, I'm so delighted to have Michael on the show, is the notion of miracles. Even in our mythology, as I've said on the show before, uh, the uh, Jesus would say, hey, now, you're going to be doing everything I've been doing, and you'll do more. And I think that kind of got lost in the in the notion of, us expect ourselves expecting to start having the Jesus experience, the Jesus effect, if you will, the the ability to manifest miracles um, as a natural part of who we are. But I think this conversation is um, is going to have so much content. I think we should get right to it. Again, the topic tonight is. Smile of the Universe, Miracles in an Age of Disbelief, and that's a book put out by our guest, Michael Grosso. As an artist philosopher immersed in the mysteries of mind, Dr. Grosso prides himself on being an independent scholar and part of an ever-growing group of educators and intellectuals critical of the prevailing materialistic view of the world. With a PhD in philosophy from Columbia University and an MA in classic Greek, he has taught humanities and philosophy at a number of institutions including City University of New York, John F. Kennedy University, Marymount Manhattan College and New Jersey City University. Please join me in welcoming Michael to the show. Welcome to the show, Michael. Well, thank you very much. I'm delighted to be here with you. Um, let's. We're going to be talking about miracles. When you use the term miracles. What do you what do you what how do you define that? What do you mean by that? Well, I think the main uh, there are two senses uh, of the word that I'm appealing to. The one is the obvious one that a miracle is something astonishing, so astonishing it makes us smile with wonder. Okay, when uh, something that's just totally shocking and unexpected, there's a subjective reaction that we can recognize. But that's not enough. Uh, what I want to know is uh, what is causing the, the shock. And the, the, the crucial definition of miracle, uh, crucial criterion of miracle for me, is that the alleged phenomenon cannot be explained by physical science. Things like uh, levitation, uh, instantaneous healings, materializations, uh, all kinds of things that I cover in my book, uh, they astonish us and they, we admire them. They make us smile with wonder, but we don't understand them. And uh, I was very interested uh, to hear you in your opening remarks about uh, Jesus, who actually did say that uh, those who followed him would be do the same things that he was doing and, and even more which is uh, apparently forgotten during the Protestant Reformation, which they all decided, they said, well, miracles were only occurring in the biblical time and not in modern times, but that's a terrible mistake because unusual, unexplained phenomena are taking place all over the world, in all cultures, all the time. And uh, it depends on your cultural upbringing and your assumptions and your belief system and how you've been educated, whether or not you're going to acknowledge or perceive 
or even appreciate these uh, this unusual phenomena. So uh, that would be my, uh, my 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 sort of opening comment uh, of uh, what I mean by by miracle. So you mentioned the the belief that miracles happened in the past. Uh, not uh, it wasn't your belief, but from the yeah, right. uh, I believe it was Protestant perspective. Is yeah now. Yeah. Now, if if I look out, so all of us are existing in space. We're in our car. We're at home. There's things around us. We can travel. We can go here. We can go there. Is um, is the phenomenon of a miracle based on a location, or is it the persona that is uh, bringing the miracle to manifestation? In other words. Is is time and space biased in some way that because um, when I think about it, the the wild card is the person. For example, Jesus. The wild card is mm-hmm. the the human persona that brings it about. Well, it does seem that way. That uh, uh, either that or a person is in some kind of trouble, and and then the or a group of people. Now, I love the story in the Old Testament about the uh, Jewish people and their flight from Egypt and having nothing to eat. According to the Bible, they were fed by manna. Manna was some kind of heavenly food that came down. Uh, so it, it, it's there to the combination of uh, people in a crisis and their belief, of course. They were a, a devoted people. They had a, a belief in and a god which was unique in the ancient world, uh, their particular kind of belief, and uh, that seems to again. I don't. I, I, can't, I was not there. I don't have evidence for this claim, but uh, it, it, it clearly the 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 personnel of the miracle process is a combination of fundamentally, as you said a moment ago, people. But people in a special context, uh, and usually it's a critical context. Anything from, you know, uh, a, an extremely challenging situation where there's danger or where there's some kind of, uh, of crisis. And the most obvious example would be sort of a modern source of, if you will, miracles, certain kinds of miracles, the near-death experience is a sort of a model. An ordinary person suddenly, uh, perhaps as a result of a heart attack or, an, or a car wreck or something, is suddenly challenged with his or her very existence and seems to come to the very threshold of death where you would expect nothing to cover you, as it were, wiped out, blanked out. The opposite seems to happen. The, the gates open. The spirit reveals itself. The, the, the light of consciousness blossoms in the midst of the crisis. Uh, one leaves the body that has been wounded in an out-of-body experience. Uh, one sees deceased people that one knew, so on and so forth, all the various kinds of phenomena that happen. So, uh, yeah, the setting for miracles is usually people, but people who are in an unusual state of affairs, whether it be like fasting, if you're a yogi or a saint or a shaman, you're all far by yourself, you're deliberately trying to invoke these powers and these presences, but you're not in an everyday ordinary state of of consciousness, uh, usually, as far as I know. It's sure. always something un- unusual that's sort of tearing you apart and then opens up unexpectedly. That's how I see it. Well, it seems like as we put an intention to understand something, well, indeed, when we put our consciousness with a sense of intention towards most anything, we 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 change the paradigm. We We create new. I mean... You're with your book here, and 
and just talking to you, you've been noodling this for quite a while. The notion mm-hmm. of miracles. The notion of miracles. Do you see that um, evolving into a more mainstream um, dialogue and experience, and um, to become well, more commonplace in our in our human I, I, experience. Yeah. I do think so. I think that I mean, uh, uh, first of all, I can we can assume that things are happening all over the world all the time, but they're not being reported. Uh, many extraordinary right. things happen that people don't even hear about. But uh, as we become more uh, connected, information-wise. Um, it's easy to stumble on things. I'm constantly finding rather amazing stories on the Internet. I don't even scan it that much. Uh, every now and then I'll check something out, and I'm often I hear of something, or there's a, a newspaper article that I want to look up further. But there's an amazing amount of material uh, out there. Uh, some of it, of course, is... Uh, 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 not valid. I mean, you have to use your critical intelligence to evaluate this stuff. And then there's the other thing about the, the other information explosion that's taking place is the accessibility of, of, uh, of books that were formerly out of print. I, I read extensively in the whole history of this literature. And, and I will read a book, let's say, that was published at the, in the early part of the 19th century, and it quotes a book of the 17th century uh, on this topic, let's say. Uh, so right. I look it up on the Internet, give it, and it turns out the book has been reprinted. And suddenly there I am back in the 16th century getting news directly in a way that you couldn't have had uh, even 50 years ago. So there is an information explosion uh, taking place, and there's there are all kinds of world changes and crises taking place that I believe are causing uh, unusual states of consciousness. But as you hinted a moment ago, we have to be aware of it and be looking for it and be on the alert uh, for to receive, as it were, the signals of <laughs> the signals of transformation that seem to be taking place on the planet. So that would be uh, my uh, reaction, and maybe it's I'm being hopeful, but it's okay to be hopeful. <laughs> so okay to be biased in the direction of optimism. Uh, and that's better than saying, "Nah, nothing's happening. We're we're going to stay the same." Uh, anyway, that's how I see it. Well, I like that. The Kama Sutra, the twenty-five yogas, were a prominent. Um, topic in the Eastern philosophy, specifically in um, India. It's, so the, the Kama Sutras, the, yogi, the yogas, were uh, a fundamental part of the education system of India. And then mm-hmm. the, the Western brain showed up in the form of Britain. The, the, mm-hmm. And when they when they colonized India, they went into the institutions and wiped all the topics off the table and put the mm-hmm. Western academic mind mm-hmm. in place because right. of and and it's kind of a Western mind disease. <laughs> well, well and, said. Uh, unless I completely agree with you that the Western, the dominant Western technological scientific civilization, progressive in many ways. We admire it in many ways, but it's also a disaster for the traditional societies of the world and their languages, their cultures, their abilities to adapt to the environment in ways that we don't know how. We just know how to exploit the environment. So uh, I absolutely agree with what you just said. It's a very important point. Uh, well, and, uh, what I was yeah. what I was getting at is the, mm. the yogi, the yogis that were teaching these uh, Kama Sutras were manifesting these quote miracles. The, mm-hmm. I mean, the, they were transcending the quote laws of physics. They were they were bending the rules, so to speak, mm-hmm. that the Western mm-hmm. mind had established as far as what was real and what wasn't real. And, right. and what I'm getting at is 
when you talked about discovering books that that are um, being brought back into publication, mm-hmm. I I think we're as far as time, as far as generations in our past, we're really not that far away from when the rank and file human being had a had a path in the Kama Sutras, perhaps in the mm-hmm. Eastern uh, literature, that one could expect to start having effect within a single lifetime as mm-hmm. far as bringing about um, um, new capabilities um, that might be contextualized as miracles to the Western mind. Oh, I think you're absolutely right. I myself have been very much uh, impacted by Indian philosophy and, and I spent two years uh, uh, with an Indian master of sound yoga, uh, Swami Nada Brahmananda. I've written a book about him. I don't have the time to publish it. I mean to. Uh, I took lessons on all his, took notes on all his lessons. I've written the book. I just don't have the time to get it out there. I've been deeply impacted by Indian uh, philosophy, and uh, and that's just one example. There are countless of other things. I'm very much concerned about indigenous societies uh, and their philosophies and, and wisdom uh, having been just trampled upon by the Western conquerors. But I think something is starting to happen now in the world, even as we speak, uh, an awakening uh, and, uh, and speaking out against this kind of uh, sort of cultural murder that has been going on in various shapes and forms for hundreds of years. Uh, and maybe there's some kind of change about to take place. I don't know. We need it. <laughs> we, need to, yeah. we need to learn how to adapt to the natural world uh, again in a, in a constructive way. Yeah. Well, clearly the Western society is leaving one hell of a wake as far as uh, uh, pollution and, and poverty yeah. and struggling yeah. and war. Absolutely. It's, it's yeah. quite clear we have fallen out of harmony with the with the nature of nature. And yes, I, indeed. I, at some level, our hearts, and and certainly um, with so much upheaval in, the, in this 2020 year, our minds as well are looking for a more authentic um, narrative for our future, a more um, compassionate future, a more harmonious relationship with not only ourselves but the world we live in. Absolutely. I think that uh, is whether it's a conscious desire or an unconscious groping, that's absolutely uh, true. And uh, it's uh, right now, uh, I don't know, between the pandemic and the, all the other things that are happening, it's a very exciting and at the same time distressing time to be alive. But maybe we may be on the threshold of the beginnings of a, of a new paradigm. I know the movement toward a new paradigm is there. There are all kinds of people scattered at all levels of society, discontented with the established modalities of existence. And uh, I think that there are movements in the direction of coming together along those lines. And, and we'll, we'll see. We're, gonna have, we're living through a very exciting uh, and frightening time of, uh, of world history. That's for sure. Well, I would like to just well, inject the notion of miracle as part of the story uh, of the, uh, an indicator of hope. That's how I see my research on miracles, uh, a pointer of hope uh, to the, getting beyond all this. Well, absolutely. Um, now, you've been studying miracles for a while. Um, do you have some... Uh, favorite examples of of miracles that uh, well yeah I, I, I these were mostly some of these things that have happened to me were just happened to me by accident 
and and that sort of woke me up. But the miracles that that impressed me, they all they all do because I think they're all part of the pattern, the pattern pointing toward a more evolved human being. But one direction where we seem where the evidence points toward amazing possibilities is in the realm of health because we know that there are so many different kinds of uh, miracles, if you will, extraordinary phenomena, paranormal phenomena, whatever you want to call them, that demonstrate the, uh, the power, the powers of the mind, the spirit, of consciousness to uh, heal the body in extraordinary uh, ways. And uh, if we could, so, and, and I can give many examples and many contexts in which these phenomena take place. One of the most obvious is right in the midst of science with, with the placebo effect. You know, you hear endless stories about this notion that to test a drug, they often use a, a chemically neutral uh, drug you also test the, or the supposedly authentic drug, and usually the the placebo, let's say the chemically inert substance, just by virtue of belief, can produce effects almost as good as the effects produced by the actual drug, uh, and, and that takes place in so many different medical contexts, and it's true and it's obvious, <laughs> science is fully conscious of it. But then there are the far more dramatic kinds of, uh, of, of healing phenomena, results of prayer. I mean, all kind of, uh, uh, very often there are healing phenomena associated with uh, manifestations of, which are increasingly popular in the Western world, occurring more and more, visions of the Virgin Mary. I mention that uh, because it's, it's, it's a complex of, miraculous phenomena, the apparitions, the healings, uh, and they're taking place all over the world, and there are all kinds of reports about uh, effects associated with these phenomena. So that, that, so that would be one area where if, if we look at the, the data, the, the possibilities of, uh, of a new paradigm of, uh, of health, uh, which is less and less dependent on, um, you know, chemistry and drugs and all the rest. Uh, that, that would be one area w w which I find very exciting. And the other sort of domain that is, I think, scientifically revolutionary, but most scientists stay clear of it, they don't seem to want to talk about it, and that is for at least 150 years, serious scientists have been collecting evidence for, for life after death. Uh, and, you know, many people automatically, instinctively think that there is a life after death because of their religious upbringing. But as religions are challenged more and more, uh, it might help if we got a little insight and a little scientific support from science. And it's there. It's out there. <laughs> Uh, but again, the, there's a reluctance on the part of mainstream science to confront this evidence. But uh, since I'm not a scientist but a philosopher, <laughs> and my duty is to uh, confront truth that might be a little bit uh, uh, unpopular, I would emphasize the importance of the evidence for life after death because uh, a lot of our neuroses and uh, even our sort of distressing kinds of human behavior are rooted in the inability to cope with the idea of, their, of our own mortality. People are always trying to compensate for the fact that they're powerless in the face of death by seeking more wealth, more power, more dominance over other people. Uh, but uh, that's an area that is a fruitful path of exploration in terms of uh, extraordinary human experiences. I, w I would stress that being important. Well, now, if our our little mind, our ego mind, this thinking mind we all have, 
has the notion of miracles as uh, un- intangible or unreachable, and yet um, we can participate in a study and be given a placebo and and heal ourselves to some extent, or perhaps we're in a an accident and we're threatened with our life and superhuman attributes show up. It would suggest mm-hmm. that there's there's more to us than just our mind. Like there's this this higher mind or a mind at large. Um, I know in your book you talk about mind at large. Um, what do you mean by that hypothesis? Yeah, well, you know, we all admit we have minds, right? But we know, every one of us knows that what we really know is just a tiny bit of our conscious mind. We have a subconscious mind. The trouble is we don't know how deep that subconscious mind is. When you look at all the different kinds of data and consciousness research, abnormal and supernormal phenomena, it turns out that the uh, the depths of the mind and the potentialities of our, uh, of our psychic life are much deeper and much richer uh, than we normally suppose. We have to look at the exceptions, the yogis, the saints, the near-death experiences, the aesthetics, uh, people in sports. Uh, sports is full of unusual events. Books have been written about miracles in sports. Uh, every now and then someone does something in the world of sports that's like physically almost mind-blowing and impossible. So this, this, just below the surface of, of everyday life are extraordinary powers and potentialities. And you never know when it, there's going to be a breakthrough. Uh, and often it's, the, the, it's the, the closed mind and the timidity in the face of life that holds back it holds us back from making even partial, no less full contact with the full blast of what we really are, potentially. And uh, so one of the virtues of studying these extraordinary phenomena is that they encourage us to be more courageous in the art of living, more trusting that uh, when we leap, as it were, into existence, uh, we're not going to land on our faces but maybe, for all we know, take off in directions unknown and beyond what we normally might even imagine was possible. Anyway, that's not a bad way of looking at life. Uh, and it's not based on fantasy, based on fact. Uh, that, that's what I would want to emphasize. The facts are there. The potential is there. The question is, what do we do with it? Well... Now, I believe you wrote, uh, I, I think it was in 1995, you uh, uh, documented the the 9-11 event. Um, is that right? Oh, no, 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 I didn't do that. I didn't do anything about the 9-11 event. I, I've heard about it, but uh, I don't think I, I, I did that. I did publish a book okay. in 1995 called about the millennium myth and the end of the world. Uh, the belief in the end of the world. I was we were coming to 2000. I wrote that book, and I learned a lot <laughs> uh, about how the mind works. But uh, no, I, I don't know about the uh, 9/11 event. But I've heard stories about it. Oh, I have heard stories. Well, what I'm what I'm think uh, getting at or thinking about is. Um, if indeed there is this mind at large or this higher self or this higher consciousness, mm-hmm. however you want to contextualize it. Yeah, yeah. It seems, it seems to me to make room, I mean, in time, to make room in our busy, perhaps monkey mind where um, our society can get so fast where we get into these repetitive patterns of checking mm-hmm. our phone and checking social media, that if there was information that was outside the context of our our ego mind, uh, we wouldn't, uh, we've got to make some bridge for our, for our ego mind to understand it. We need to make a, a landing platform, if you will, or a, 
yeah. a, a conceptual yeah. bridge, if you will. I mean, how do you start to um, dialogue or or develop a, a stronger connection with this uh, larger mind notion? Well, that's it. <laughs> Excuse me. One second. <clears throat> And that, of course, is a really uh, central question. And people from the from the get-go, from the earliest history, have intuited the reality of a greater mind. I call it mind at large. It's sort of a neutral term. I call it God, call it guardian angels, call it spirits, whatever you want. But people have been devising ways of making those contacts uh, from the get-go, and there are innumerable ways. I mean... Uh, there are meditation, uh, fasting, uh, ascetic practices. Here, the, the basic principle is: if there's a greater mind out there, our small mind, with its all its preoccupations, its fixations and obsessions, is basically blocking the influx of the greater mind, which is us. It's in us. We're part of it, but we're too busy to notice it. So. We have to figure out ways to clear the space, open open yourself up, relax a little bit, meditate, uh, go for a walk, uh, behave in ways that you normally don't behave, nice ways. I'm not talking about crazy ways. Um, change your mental habits. Uh, uh, there are psychedelics, and there's a whole tradition in shamanism and in mysticism. Uh, often illness does it. Why illness or, or, or near death? Well, because it knocks you out of commission. You're not paying attention to the ordinary world. Or take more positive things. Why do people suddenly falling in love? There is a thing that people do fall in love, right? <laughs> and, and they're lifted up in their spirits. May it may not last forever, but uh, as long as it lasts, being in love is a, is a glorious expansion of consciousness. You can do the impossible when you're in love, right? And... Uh, or it could be some art form that you that that you uh, deploy uh, music. I'm always making some kind of music. I like to make music. I like to paint uh, because when I do these things, I am allowing my subconscious mind more freely to express itself, and that is the way to get in contact with and make friends with the greater mind. And as I say, there it uh, it's it, it's. There, an infinity of ways that people have. Uh, I talk in my in my book in some detail of some of the various examples of individuals who were uh, seemed to have a special connection with the great mind, the mind at large. And I talk about people like uh, Socrates and Joan of Arc. Oh, many scientists too uh, tune in. I mean, if you read the psychology of scientific discovery. Over and over again, the great discoveries are often intuitions. They just come to the scientists. That doesn't mean you don't have to study and work hard. But the great insights, the openings up of the mind, uh, the inspirations, they seem to transcend the ordinary mind. And uh, so scientists, too, know about mind at large. Uh, and uh, it's... Uh, uh, quite uh, once you make up your mind that that's your that you what you're trying to do is open yourself up that's a way of living that becomes makes life more interesting but if you're blithely unaware of, of your own inner depths and potentiality and depressingly identifying <laughs> with the lower aspect of yourself you're in trouble so that's why we try to remind each other of the the higher, fuller aspect of our being, and that's, you know, that's what we're doing right now, I guess, right? <laughs> right. Oh, indeed. Well, the 2020 has been such a, a year of upheaval, and many people have had their personal lives turned on its head, turned on their head, and, oh, yeah. you know, if if this notion that the human persona in general can evolve to a point of performing miracles like perhaps a Kama Sutra suggests or mm -hmm. the, the example that you share. Is there a point, I mean, 
for me, it, it would seem like if miracles are in, an inherent part of the evolution of our human experience, then how can something outside of us have power over us? Like uh, the, the classic example, uh, the elephant in the room is the coronavirus. If if the mm. placebo says um, this will heal me, the, the placebo effect could have the same effect that says this can kill me, and it would have the placebo effect of me mm-hmm. believing that I'm vulnerable to this corona. Mm-hmm. If indeed uh, miracles are an inherent part of our human nature at some point in our evolution, there would be a point where mm-hmm. we wouldn't be afraid of anything like that, don't you think? Yeah, well, that is uh, my uh, my remote, let's put it this way, my most drastic, boldest speculations is that something will happen in the evolution of our species. I mean, I'm not the first one who has speculated on how we may evolve as a species, but I am probably the first one to to say that there's there are empirical reasons to believe that the, that deep within our within all human beings are these extraordinary powers that that they 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 erupt bits and pieces from time to time throughout history. No argument about that. The question is, what does it take to get the whole en masse eruption, the kind of systematic unfolding, to the point where we, as you suggest, reach a kind of optimal health? and can handle things like uh, external toxins that invade us in the form of viruses. I do believe, and I can conceive of the possibility of achieving that uh, that degree of superhuman evolution, but it's only a theoretical uh, speculation. Uh, and um, But as I say, it's not one that's based on faith, uh, and it's not one that's based on fantasy. It is a speculation based on my study of a of an entire spectrum of human behaviors and my attempt to put them together and see how they fit to form a picture of a possible human being that may emerge partially in some of us and ultimately, hopefully, who knows, all of us in a grand way. But uh, I don't mean to sound too, you know, wild in my speculations, but... Uh, I think there are reasons that entitle us to at least think about these things as possible, or at least to think about our own selves, that each one of us has a chance of in some way uh, bringing more of us, more of ourselves to bear in the art of of living our lives. That I'm confident we can do. We can all improve. We can all mitigate our circumstances. Uh, if we work at it and know how to go about doing it, but it, it's a cha- it is a challenge, not a, not an easy thing to accomplish. Well, I think everything you're, you've said is spot on, and I know you're being careful with your words, but own it. I mean, the 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 notion that okay, so I mean, miracles can be a a tough topic because the Western mind wants proof. They want, show me the mm-hmm. chart, show me the data. And mm-hmm. and yet, there's just countless examples of miracles in the history of humanity. At mm-hmm. some point, um, having to appease the Western mind has to be put to the wayside. You know, it, it's uh-huh. like uh, nobody can see gravity. Nobody can see mm-hmm. gravity, but we can see the effect of gravity. And then right. a, much more elu- a much more elusive substance was electricity. Boy, how did, mm-hmm. did that, ev- that evaded us as a conceptual um, understanding for eons of time, and now mm-hmm. electricity is such a fundamental part. So, yes. had you talked about electricity 200 years ago or 300 years ago, they would have laughed at you, but yet here we right. are with electricity. So, miracles don't have to be 
proven if the Western mind can't wrap their noggin around miracles, too bad. Get it in the back of the room because mm-hmm. it's quite evident they exist, and we don't need to, just like um, electricity was so elusive, at some point we have to give ourselves permission to say, well, wait a minute, miracles are, are fundamental to our human experience across the entire span of time. Why are we tiptoeing around this topic, so to speak? Does, mm-hmm. does that make sense? Absolutely, absolutely. And... Uh... But uh, as I say, uh, we're a minority thinking like this, okay? But 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 not an insignificant minority. And uh, so yes, I couldn't agree with you more as you've just phrased this. Uh, and so we have a right, I think, to to garner from what we have learned by we. I mean, any person who's struck out on his or her own to find a more satisfying way of looking at the world. But we have a right to to at least be enthusiastic about our, ourselves and our own immediate circumstances. Uh, and, uh, and if we can all do that, uh, we can perhaps make a large difference in the long run. I mean, for a miracle to happen, we have to believe that it can happen. And if we can't even own, if we can't even language the the truth that miracles exist because we're afraid of some critical um, backwash, if you will, um, Mm -hmm. that, that puts our experience with miracles farther into the future by that very, by that very behavior. So, um, we've got about eight minutes left. Um, let's talk about the notion of um, God and or religion as um, and how it relates to the notion of miracles. Yeah, well, of course, I, I uh, realize that in the majority of cases in, in the religious context, Real miracles are, are frequently associated with uh, the intervention of God. Now, as my approach to the subject is totally respectful of all the different religious perspectives, I, I'm not uh, critical of that, but, uh, but as a philosopher, I'm mainly interested in, in the things that I can prove. And I can prove by studying the historical records the reality of extraordinary, unexplained phenomena that human beings in different cultures, in different times, different religions experience. That's my business, to, to describe that. Now, what the ultimate explanation is, and, uh, is, is, is something else, and I leave that to the reader. I, I would say that for people who have a fervent and honest and uh, real belief in uh, in some in, in, in religion, in, uh, God or, or whatever. Uh, the research that I've done, the f- emphasis on the factual basis behind the reality of miracles, should have, should be welcome. And and okay, that's support. That's further support. But there are many people who are not satisfied or tuned into traditional religions. And and they're explorers, they're seekers, or maybe they're not even consciously seeking or exploring another religion. But uh, these people, uh, I, I'm as interested in trying to communicate to them uh, ideas about their miraculous potential without dragging in any special belief system. That I leave to the person. I mean, a person could be a complete atheist and accept a total atheist and and accept every statement in my book, which is just about matters of fact. I don't try to explain or unexplain. I make no question. As far as the notion of mind at large, that's a term that's kind of a neutral term. For many people, mind at large is God. That's fine. See, I'm just using a, a a more neutral 
religion that even a non-religious person can accept. But if you are religious and you join with me in the exploration of the miraculous, I don't see any problem because uh, to me it's the the realities of the of the, these experiences and what they can do to us that's important. I'm not a fanatic about how to interpret them. You see, I don't have any dogmatic system uh, to explain and justify all of that. I just want to see what's going on and what difference does it make to human beings. So that would be the my I don't know my take on the connection between religion and 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 the world of miracles. The, now, what effect are you hoping your book has? Well, well I missed that last sentence. Well, what was that? What are you uh, What are you hoping the effect of writing this? Book oh, oh, oh! Well, yeah, for sure. I, I, I practically, yeah, sort of said it just before. My hope is whether you are religious or unreligious. An athe- a raving atheist or a pious uh, a Christian or Buddhist or whatever, I simply want to, well, entertain the imagination and the, and the spirit of people to realize what kind of creatures we are, we human beings, we're capable of extraordinary things and extraordinary things that we don't understand. Uh, to wake up to what we don't know. It's important to know what we do not know. Uh, and, and and that is a philosophical lesson. Uh, you know, that was what Socrates got in trouble for. Um, he basically said, you guys don't know what you don't know. And, and that's right. the first step toward, you know, expanding your knowledge of the world. So um, I think that... Um, uh, it, it, just being educated to the full awareness of what we're potentially capable of is what my hope uh, is. What I hope the the book will uh, will achieve. Um, and I think so many of these stories are just completely ent- they're entertaining uh, in the same way that a uh, a movie about superheroes is entertaining. Except my book is based on fact. Uh, and, and not Hollywood fantasy. How do you see miracles? I mean, if we were to fast forward however much time it took, 20 years, 200 years, 2,000 years, and the notion of miracles have moved into a more of a mainstream or an everyday experience among the populace, how would our lives change? Uh, well, that's a very, very interesting question, uh, and uh, I would have to take it piecemeal. Uh, I think that, uh, yeah, I, I, that, 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 that's, that's a talk, another talk, another hour we could talk about that, but it would clearly change the way we we live. But take take for example one. One phenomenon, uh, unusual phenomenon, uh, in India, it, it's, a, it's a strange fact that many yogis, saints, and shamans can live without eating for long periods of time. Okay, many of them have been tasted, uh, tested, but let's just say that there's a vast diminishment of the need for ordinary nutrition that would be a factor in the evolution of our miraculous potential. Well, that would change uh, our attitude toward the environment. In, in many ways, we would leave the environment alone and maybe rewild it again, let it grow back to its former unexploited innocence, as it were. Uh, we right. would need to exploit and consume less of the world around us. Uh, that would be one of the major uh, differences. Uh, but uh, there are so many ways uh, uh, to talk about this. If, if the miracle of and the ecstasy that's associated with miracles, it, it would change the human personality. Uh, 
uh, would diminish the greed, diminish the hatred. Uh, I think we're talking about a completely new age uh, uh, coming out of a greater development of our inner miracle miracle potential, a new age entirely. Above all, a new attitude toward the planet, the living mother planet that feeds us and inspires us and is so mysterious, the source of life. A completely different attitude toward the natural world and all living creatures because consciousness is something that pervades all living creatures. Uh, A lot of scientists are discovering animal consciousness finally in the past 20 or 30 years they're waking up to realizing that animals are uh, are conscious in different ways than human beings in some ways better and uh, we we would take a greater interest in the variety of life forms the more we understand our own potential Uh, these would be some of the directions I think we would be moving if and when there is an evolution in that direction. Very nice. Well, now, let's talk about you. I mean, how is how can the audience get your book? Um, do you give lectures? Um, give us an uh, idea of, of what you do, uh, your books, and any other services. Get, give us the whole rundown so we know how to connect with you. Well, yeah, you could certainly, uh, well, if you want to buy my book, it's uh, available on on, uh, on Amazon. Yeah, that's, that's how it is nowadays. So that's easy. Uh, all you got to do, and uh, I'm happy to report uh, that, that uh, I have some books that are, I've written one book on levitation that's 42 books. I don't expect anyone to buy that book, uh, but uh, the the, the the book on miracles, file of the universe, is quite inexpensive, and you can get that on uh, on Amazon. I also have a blog called Consciousness Unbound, uh, Consciousness Unbound Blogspot dot com, and a couple of times a week I wrote I write uh, pieces and try to engage people in conversation. I write about uh, extraordinary phenomena. So that's one way you can be in touch with me, and I would love to hear from you. Uh, I'm on, I have two pages on Facebook, and I'm a, I'm a painter, so, and I try to, there's a connection, I try to make, explore the connection between the paranormal and the art of painting. And if you're curious about that, I have a website called paintingthepsyche.com, and uh, paintingthepsyche.com, Hit that, and you can see some of my writings and my art uh, and uh, there too. I'd love to hear from you uh, and um, so that's the way and right now I'm not traveling very much, giving talks. Uh, I am going to be giving a a, a webinar on on uh, miracles uh, in the f- near future. But the best way to stay in touch with me is on my blog and Facebook. And I'd be happy to be converse with any of you who happens to be listening and want to share some ideas with me. I'm very interested in people's experiences, too. So if you want to get to me and share with me an unusual experience, you have a sympathetic listener, and I might be able to say something that's useful to you. Oh. That's about it. Well, very nice. Uh, time can go fly by pretty fast. Um, I want to thank you for being our guest tonight, Michael. I've very much enjoyed this conversation. Well, it's my pleasure, really. Uh, mine, too. We've been talking with Michael Grosso, and the topic tonight has been Smile of the Universe, Miracles, in an age of disbelief. It's uh, it's always a pleasure bringing you guests like this. Uh, as we've discussed on the show many, many times, the power of you, the power of 
you, the human persona. I want to thank you for sharing this time with us and showing up for yourself. For myself, it's always a pleasure creating opportunities like this for that'll give you an opportunity to grow your sense of self and, and who you are, who you think you are. Again, thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Les Jensen. Until next time, thanks for listening. This has been a New Human Living Radio broadcast. To bring your soul's inspiration into effect and live your life wide open. Check out our host, Les Jensen's latest book, Citizen King, The New Age of Power, at newhumanliving.com. Thanks for listening. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.